All right, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be in verse 31 and 32 today. And if you guys would, uh, pray this prayer with me. It's in your song sheet for our, our Matthew prayer. And then we'll, I'll read the scriptures and we'll get into it. Our Father, we thank you for this wise picture of Christ's life. Please reveal it to us deeply through your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen well, learn well, and to live out that knowledge. Renew our sight, refresh our hearts, and grant our desire to seek and follow you. Jesus, help us live our lives for you. Amen. This is Matthew 5, 31 through 32. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So this week, Jesus continues on in his Sermon on the Mount, and he has us here today talking to us about marriage and divorce, about what this looks like. And I know that these can be uh, heavy topics in our day and time because uh, a lot of folks that I know um, uh, have come from divorce homes or they've experienced divorce themselves or uh, they, they, they've had a lot of damage done to them, even as we were discussing before the service, some of them by the church, some of them just through just uh, failed marriages, and it, it's it caused a lot of pain and confusion. So I think most of you guys know, but my parents were divorced when I was 14 or 15 years old. I can't remember exactly where. And although there are scars from that, their divorce was understood, and I believe it was necessary in their case. And I believe that in the long run, it's turned out to be a good thing and a grace of God to not only uh, my mom, but also my dad, and also to uh, uh, their, their children. So one of my favorite memories, though, since my parents were divorced, is when at um, Mars Hill, I was a pastor there, and they did this series, sermon series called Real Marriage. I don't recommend going back and listening to it, but the first week of that series, my mom and dad were sitting next to each other, and they were sitting with their knees pointed straight, and I was sitting behind them uh, for the start of this sermon, and I, in my mind, I was like, why the heck are my, do they not know the title is Real Marriage, and they're sitting next to each other? Okay, let's see how this goes. So I was watching them very intently. And the, as the first sermon was playing out, I can't remember what was said, but I watched them as they sat side by side. And when my, it, as the sermon went on, my mom kind of shifted in her seat to the right. And then my dad was sitting to her left. And then he started shifting in his seat to his left. And so by the end of the sermon, it felt like the room wasn't big enough to contain both my mom and my dad for that sermon. It was kind of funny to me. And it was one of those things where, here we are, that's the reality of what happens with divorce, is one person turns one way, one person turns the other, and they walk this down. But I'll also say this, because since I'm sharing a story with, uh, about my mom and dad and how they're divorced, and they were divorced uh, before my dad passed away, uh, 20 years, I think. It was close to 20 years that they were divorced. And so, but the last time I ever saw my dad was with my mom in Texas. He and my mom flew down together, and, uh, and my mom rode uh, in uh, coach while he rode first class, and so this was the way my dad did, and then he had a rental car, and it was a tiny rental car, 
So it was kind of funny watching them pull up in this little small vehicle together. And my parents did their best to get along, but that car was still pretty cramped corners, right? <laughs> For the 45 minutes it, w it would have taken. And uh, like I said, I think that their divorce was necessary. And I hope that my mom feels no shame or that other divorced folks uh, feel no shame either because it happens. But um, when I watched my dad, when I saw him for the very last time in Texas, I watched them drive away in this tiny little car and, and just thinking how ironic it is that God has these two people, at least in that, sent, uh, in that scene. And it, it, would, um, it was the last time, the last image I have of my dad is driving down cramped quarters with my mom to the airport. I don't even know if y'all talked on the way there, but um, it, it was interesting. But I would say this though, as I've said, divorce happens. Divorce happens, and I would argue that in some cases it, it is necessary that those, uh, be, those being because of unrepentance and hardness of people's hearts, that hardness can cause a lot of damage. And that is not the life abundant that God has for us or that God speaks to us. And so for a long time in church, whenever I've heard the word divorce, I've heard God hates divorce. And while I, I don't think God likes it, I think it is clear that he doesn't really want it, but sometimes that depends on the people and circumstances if it's needed or not. And I, I've seen the statement, God hates divorce, used to perpetrate bad marriages that just continue and abuse that just keeps getting heaped on either the man or the woman just because that saying, God hates divorce. And it's not that God hates divorce. It's that God hates all sin. God hates when we take something as beautiful as the design of marriage, a gift that's to reflect good things about him, about, about uh, the goodness, and one of those things being faithfulness, and then people take that and destroy it and flip it on its head. God doesn't like that. And I've, I've seen people stay in abusive marriages because of this saying. And I don't think that God intended us to stay in unfaithful or abusive marriages. That's not what this is saying. We will talk about divorce again in Matthew 19 in, I don't know, probably a few years from now. But because Jesus talks about it, right? He talks about it and he does his best, uh, he does his best to make a remark uh, about adultery. But he also says as well, he talks about the hardness of hearts. That we as humans can harden our hearts. We do this against one another and against God. Jesus doesn't want this for us. He knows that it takes courage and strength to be vulnerable enough for marriage because it does take some work. And Jesus knows that following him would take that same type of work and that it won't always be easy. And this included, as we follow Jesus, it's included as we walk with Jesus through our marriages where two are becoming one. And I don't think this scripture was intended for further abuse. I think that it is a misinterpretation or um, sometimes uh, isolated scriptures can be helpful or rightly applied. And I think that, but this section uh, taken out of context can really hurt people and it really has hurt a lot of people because if we don't look at what is going on in the marriage and we just simply say, uh, we just simply said God hates divorce or mom, I did not know that about your story um, that your counselor told you that I think you're the one cheating when uh, my dad had cheated on my mom several times. That is not 
that's that's an abuse heaped on you by a counselor and and what is and it's not right because if we look on what's going on in the marriage and what's going on in the sermon that Jesus teaches this in it's in the middle of a sermon it's not isolated from the rest of it what's going on what comes before this in Jesus sermon repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand so if we have repentance, that leads to a softening of hearts, right? But then there's also all these blessings. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the weak. Blessed are the needy, the merciful, the peacemakers, and the pure of heart. Now, if we were these things before God and one another as it teaches, then divorce would never be needed. Amen? Divorce would never be needed. The thing is, though, and the truth is that we are not all these things. And instead of a blanket statement about divorce, there are a lot of things that Jesus is trying to teach us that prevent us or, or that, that prevent us from going into divorce and help us living into the fullness that God has intended to us through his Holy Spirit. Jesus is trying to help us see this. Jesus is asking, this is what he's asking us, in your marriages, I want your marriages to represent the kingdom of heaven. And if you're single, then your singleness is going to represent the kingdom of heaven. We do this with humility and faithfulness. We stick it through hard times, right? Uh, we work through them. We don't, we don't just bounce or harden our hearts just because the person annoys us. We remain faithful in good times and in bad. And by the way, I was thinking about this. Um, I was thinking about when I've done couples counseling before in the past, like pre-marriage counseling. When they say bad times, they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> they, they're always like, oh, yeah, in good and in bad, and it's some romantic, like, oh, if anything, befall us. They never talk about sometimes your spouse annoys you or something like that. Not that mine does, but others might, you know. I've heard stories about that. But it's weird to remain faithful in good times and in bad, in rough patches, and weird to do this with a whole heart, not a half-devoted heart. And that's what Jesus wants for us in our marriages. It's also what he wants for us in our walk of life. And what I learned about divorce back in Jesus' day when he would have um, given this sermon was actually fairly fascinating. Jesus said this at the beginning. It was also, uh, it was also heard. And so what he was saying when he said that, it was alluding to Deuteronomy 24, where Moses lays out divorce because of the hardness of our hearts. It, it wasn't wanted, but it was permitted from time to time. It was permitted for the man, at least. The man can issue a certificate of divorce. A man could issue the divorce decree to his wife, and it would be final. He could go, have it signed, have it signed by the city elders, and then it would be final. And it's not, and if it's, not, it's not clear or not if a woman could divorce her husband for any reason. And it is widely thought that uh, she would not have been allowed to divorce her husband. And this leaves the women extreme, extremely vulnerable. And it is not the heart that God was trying to set to just leave women in a bad or precarious place. In Jesus' day, men were issuing certificates of divorce for things that we, even in our culture where divorce is common, would leave us scratching our heads. For instance, a man... Back in Jesus' day, a man could divorce his wife if he didn't like her cooking or just got tired of it. Yeah, not good, right? He could issue a certificate of divorce 
and marry a better cook. And knowing men the way I do, she'd probably be a younger, better cook. I don't know. Like, that's just the way men work. But men could divorce for any reason while the woman was stuck, even if her husband was absent or paid her no mind, emotionally and and even physically at times. She had to please him, not him, her. This is not the way God designed it. Males had all the power when it came to marriage and divorce. So if he was tired or upset or too many years had gone by and he just got bored of her, he could find something that he didn't like about her and issue her a certificate of divorce. It's fair, it was fairly flippant in, in the way it was done. And this leaves women in a very bad place and Jesus wanted to correct this. He meant this statement as a rebuke to the men who were using the certificate of a divorce as a get-out-of-marriage-free card. He was issuing this rebuke to these men. So divorce was relatively easy, and it was common in Jesus' day. And it appears that it was even um, it was even easier in his day than it was ours. At least we have, for the most part, we have expensive lawyers that will take up money. And so I know plenty of people that didn't get married because, or didn't get divorced because they couldn't afford the divorce lawyer. Um, and, and then they wound up working it out, and some wound up finding a way to provide for that, but they would have issued a piece of paper, had it signed, and it would have been, and I I will mention that even though it was common, there were some sects in Jewish culture that this was not as common. The more religious sects, the one that took it more seriously, their their idea with God, there were wise leaders at that time who helped couples walk through marriage and work through hard, hard times, but it was far more rare than it even is today. Marriage was never designed or meant to be this one-sided. It wasn't supposed to be a one-sided partnership where we treat, but instead it was supposed to be where we treat each other with the dignity and worth that God has placed on us. The debate over divorce being permitted in scripture or not, I'd argue is not a black and white. It's not yes or no. It is not can I or can't I. Jesus is going to the heart of how we treat people. He's going to the heart of how we treat people and how we will follow him and as he is the example that he is giving us and we walk in his ways. One of my favorite Wendell Berry quotes, and I don't even remember where it is. I just remember he said this and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something along the lines of marriage doesn't need to be defended. It just needs to be lived. And in the essay, I do remember he was writing this as, as he was talking about how we treat each other how we treat people, how we view what the act of marriage is. It it is something, um, and he was actually arguing for the ethic of the Beatitudes, of all the blessed statements, and the teachings of Jesus for humility and faithfulness and longevity. Marriages take work and commitment, amen? It, It takes faithfulness, and by that, by faithfulness, I don't just mean uh, sexually, I mean that you show up every day and you're present and you're humble, you're extending grace and forgiveness to one another. That's what I mean by faithfulness. Again, the design for marriage is union and unity. And it's meant to be a display of not only closeness, but also a display of grace, a display of selfless love, a display of forgiveness, And, of course, a display of faithfulness. And Jesus knows this. 
and he wants us to live all those things out. He wants to stop men from shirking their responsibility, and he wanted to protect the women. He wanted marriage to look like his kingdom, this kingdom of heaven that we pray for all the time when we pray the Lord's Prayer. And just as Jesus wants to be, as we saw last week, Jesus wants to be king of our sexuality and our desires that we looked at last week, Jesus wants to be king of our marriages as well. He wants us to follow him even in our closest relationships. In Jesus' kingdom, as we desire to follow him, Jesus knows that things will get tough at times. He knows this. He knows that our walk with him, like our marriages, will not always be easy. The relationship with Jesus is not to be treated as a common or casual or a flippant relationship. It's not meant to be dissolved or turned into something ordinary or taken granted for. Jesus wants us to walk with him faithfully. And by faithfully, I mean this. Now I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about walking with Jesus. By faithfully, I mean this. Showing up every day to be present with him or at least recognize his presence in our lives. To be humble before his leading to extend grace to others because Jesus has extended it to us and to forgive others, even forgive ourselves as Jesus has forgiven us. He wants us to be unified with him and his family and he wants this to be on display in our lives. Same thing for our marriages. These are not easy tasks and they will take more than just work. I am grateful that marriage, although it takes work, it doesn't feel like work. Now, I'll speak only for me on this. I won't even speak for Mo, but being married to Mo is a delight for me. It adds value to my life. It is life-giving. I can say this about Mo. She shows up every day, and I hope the same can be said for me. Uh, We don't do it perfectly, and we don't do it like anybody else that I know, but I enjoy marriage. It is one of those things that I enjoy. It's not uh, simply a duty. It's an absolute delight. And it is not um, all hard work all the time. Same with walking with Jesus. It is full of play and joy so that if it is work, it's my favorite kind of work. Same with walking with Jesus. But I don't attribute this to Mo's greatness or to mine, but rather the gift of God's grace given to us by Jesus. And, and, through, and through the grace that Jesus is leaving us, and, and he sent the Holy Spirit to help and lead us and guide us in the ways of Jesus. And I would hate to think, if it wasn't for the leading of the Holy Spirit and the practice of listening and obeying uh, the Holy Spirit, I'd have no clue where Mo and I would be right now. And I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be nice or good. But God, in his grace, has left us that and allowed us to pay attention to him so we can pay attention to one another. God left the Holy Spirit to lead us in the ways of Jesus. Even in our marriage, amen, it needs to happen. Even in our relationships, not just marriage, in our relationship with him and our relationship with one another. And I I think of it this way. So many people think the Holy Spirit is just for miracles or maybe he's just about speaking in tongues or giving words of prophecy. The Holy Spirit leads and guide us day in and day out. The Holy Spirit will talk to us about our marriage and our relationships. It will convict when needed. It will encourage as needed as well. And I pray that we will, and it will always direct us to the ways that Jesus has for us. And I pray that we will walk with Jesus and we won't neglect the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. That um, 
as we know we can all harden our hearts, that we will not harden our hearts to the Holy Spirit's leading. Always leading us as we, as we listen um, and, we, uh, and as he asks us to show these displays of grace and forgiveness. I pray that as the Holy Spirit leads us, we will strive to be faithful and that the Holy Spirit will always, will always lead us in the ways of Jesus. I love that Jesus gives us all these pictures, right? Of all these pictures of what it's like to follow him. Our walk with Jesus, like our marriage, it doesn't need defending as much as it needs to just be lived out. The ideas don't matter unless they're practiced. I think of it this way. So many in church, they have the right idea, but the wrong practice. It's, it's, it, we need the right ideas, but we also need the right practice. Like Theology can be pure and good, and the life can be miserable and bad. And that's not what Jesus is asking for us. Jesus doesn't want us to follow out of duty or just follow this idea of he wants it and he meant it as a delight. I think of this when I think about Jesus and joy and walking with Jesus and, the, and, and, and even marriage or things that take work or things that are so important to us. One of the most convicting um, verses in Scripture and one of the most shocking to my mind is found in Hebrews 12. And it's verse 2. It says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I love this because as Jesus has asked us to be faithful, Jesus was faithful even though we are not always faithful to him. Right? Jesus will never issue us a certificate of divorce. And I love this about Jesus. He, he doesn't do this out of duty or drudgery going, oh, well, I guess I'll forgive him today. No, he does this for the joy that was set before him. And that joy and that delight is you and me. And he knew that we would sin. And that's why he endured the cross to take away that sin and take away our shame. And he is faithful far beyond anything we can imagine or muster. And I'm grateful to Jesus for this. And then Jesus rose again so we might know that he is living and that he will never leave us or forsake us. And the Holy Spirit also reminds us of Jesus' presence in our lives all the time. And he is here with us now, and we get to worship him for this in good times and in bad. When things are easy, we praise him. When things are hard, we praise him. And the Holy Spirit leads us in this. So I pray for us, grace and mercy, that we will go out into this world, not just knowing about Jesus, but living for Jesus. Not just doing the right thing out of knowledge, but actually doing the right thing as we're following the Holy Spirit's, Holy Spirit's guidance. That we can be faithful, not only to our marriages, but to Jesus showing up every day in the day that the Lord's created for us. And that even in that, we might rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus, I thank you that you have shown us the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, we um, don't live for you perfectly but we strive to follow your ways. So Jesus, will you please um, grant our desires to seek and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.